0: Acts 20, verse 32 to 37. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs And the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him today I want to talk to you on the subject of what happens when we give. And there's lots of things that we can give. You can give your time, you can give money, you can give presents, you could give, I went to a birthday party the other week, someone gave cake, you can give someone a headache. There are lots of different things that you can give. And money is just one example of God's gift to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So today, we're talking about money. And and money makes some of us just feel a bit awkward. And it's because there's a tremendous power behind money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, the love of money is the root of all evil. One of my friends, he was a criminal defense barrister, and it was drilled into him, he, he would say, Uh, In training, that he would have to follow the money, follow the money. Why? Because when you follow the money, you could find the root of the crime that had been committed. And although there's a, a tremendous power at work in money for bad, there's also a real force for good in money. And it's because money reveals the heart of an issue. If you look at what you spend your money on, you can tell what you're passionate about. So, for example, if you looked at your bank statement, you'd be able to tell what you like. And if you looked at my bank statement, you'd be able to say, he likes coffee. And there are three things that happen when you give. And the first thing is that giving sets you free for a purpose. Verse 33 of our reading says this. This is uh, the words of the Apostle Paul. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold, Paul, the Apostle Paul, these are his words. He's speaking here of a freedom that he's already obtained himself through a generous relationship with Jesus Christ. And it manifests itself in Paul's life, in his generosity, in his freedom. He is free from coveting things. He speaks about coveting other people's possessions. He's free from that. I often find myself thinking about other people's shoes. In the worship this morning, I was drawn towards Ben's shoes. Uh, And then this evening, I saw Ben's shoes while he was leading worship. And then behind him, I saw Roland playing the bass guitar. And I noticed that he's got a very new pair of Onitsuka Tigers. And I thought, Roland, I want those shoes. And for most of the worship, I was thinking, maybe I'm gonna go and take those shoes off him. But then I thought that might be a bit awkward for everyone involved, especially for Roland and I. There are lots of things that we can want that hold us, that, that, that grip us. And it might be coveting possessions. It might be coveting other people's clothes. But there's lots of other things. By giving, we're set free from that. Paul speaks of his freedom from it. But it's not just like we're free from it. We're free from it for something else. We're free for a purpose. The context of the passage that we've read today is really helpful for this. Paul is giving his farewell speech to the church leaders in Ephesus. And Ephesus uh, was a a city in uh, modern day Turkey, on the west coast of modern day Turkey. Lots of people go there for holidays now. Then it it was a little bit different. And the church there was a church that Paul had planted. He'd been part of the community there for two years. And it had started churches God had used the work that Paul had done there and among that church to start other churches all around modern-day Turkey. It's called Asia Minor back in that time. And Ephesus was was a wealthy city. It was ethnically diverse. It was socially diverse. It was strategically important. It was an economic and cultural hub for that region. So it was a great place in many ways to start a church. But in Ephesus, there were lots of things to be set free from. Poverty, economic woes, slavery, a crippling consumer mindset, which Paul references here, and many more things. Life expectancy in the Roman Empire as a whole was about 29, and there were huge swathes of society were subject to hard day-to-day existence. It was cold at night, and in winter, there were horrific global pandemics economic woes, the Roman Empire was a hard place to live. But into the heart of this, Paul is urging the Ephesian church not to hunker down, not to hold on to what they've got, but to be generous, to give away. He was encouraging them to set themselves free, to give. And not just set themselves free from something, but for something. The purpose for that church at that time was to give away so that that whole region could be blessed, could be better off. And that happened. And for you and me today in 21st century London, it's similar. We're set free for a purpose. And London, there are lots of things to be set free from poverty, economic woes. Some people still find themselves in a form of slavery in the city, a crippling consumer mindset. We're being hit by a financial crisis that will affect most of us. There's global pandemics. Houses will be cold this winter. Day-to-day existence for many in our city is a struggle. London can be a really hard place to live. But This is a global city, it's a wealthy city, it's ethnically diverse, it's socially diverse, it's strategically important, it's an economic and cultural hub for this whole region, not just for the whole region, but for the whole world. And God can leverage those things through our generosity as a church, not just for us here tonight, but for this whole city, maybe even beyond this city. This is a message for all of us today. Whether you earn bucket loads of cash or if you struggle with money, you can be set free from the power of money and it starts with generosity. Now, don't hear that by saying that you're all to sell everything that you have, give to the poor and have it there. That's not really what we're saying. And for many people, maybe even here tonight, That's not a healthy thing to do. If you're struggling at all with money as an issue, we'd love to signpost you to some help that you can get. Struggling with debt is very important and we're here to help. But as a free people of God, we all have a part to play in God's kingdom, in, in setting ourselves free. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, Paul says this, Remember, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. If you want to get more out of your life, if you want to see God's kingdom move, it can start with generosity and you will set your life free. Now, this isn't just to say if you put £10 in the church coffers this week, you're going to get £30 next week. Or if you put 20 pounds in this week, you're going to get a Ferrari next week. That is called the prosperity gospel. It's a heresy. It's not what we think happens here. This is a little bit different. This is more like if you invest in God's kingdom, you yourself will be set free from maybe it's consumerism or it might be something else. But also what you're going to get back is is beyond yourself. It's gonna be bigger than you. It's not gonna be about your own wants and desires. It's gonna be about serving other people. This is the purpose that Paul is talking about here for that church. It's to serve God's kingdom outside of ourselves. And this can be true whatever your circumstance. One of my friends is called Stephen. And Stephen is a refugee from Myanmar. This is a picture of him now. And Stephen's an amazing guy. He was born in Myanmar, he had to flee when he was a teenager from Myanmar, and now he lives in uh, Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. And he's waiting for his UN um, refugee status to be processed, him and his family. Um, He's been waiting there since he's a teenager. He's currently 33. No passport, no rights, no home, therefore no way of getting a job that can kind of roll in the money. But Stephen's a Christian. He's free and he served his church for most of the time that he's been in Kuala Lumpur, away from his home. He's actually training for ordination in the Anglican church. And As part of his training, he set up an emergency food bank for those suffering with the effects of the global food crisis. And actually this is him uh, last year um, at one of his, he he runs a church for other Myanmar refugees from Myanmar. Whatever your circumstance, if you're rich or if you're poor, you can give to the kingdom of God. You can invest in his kingdom. It's, It's the same for you and for me today in the act of giving you're set free for a purpose the first thing that happens when we give is that we're set free for a purpose the second thing that happens is that we set other people free verse 35 says this by this kind of hard work we must help the work we we must help the weak we are set free for other people for other people to be set free a few years ago, my wife Helen and I, we lived in East London, uh, which is a different part. of We're in South West London, East London's very different. You may have been there. It's great, it's all right. It's a friendly place, don't worry. And we had a great time there. And we were part of a little church on a council estate. Uh, I had this amazing thing going on where there was about 150 people who were part of this church and everyone could walk. Everyone, I think one person drove to church on a Sunday, but everyone else walked to church. And I was part of the team there, helping run a few different things. Uh, During our time there, uh, there was a group of amazing people, young people, they're kind of in their 20s, and they had this real heart for justice. And they were thinking, what can we do? What can we do in this area? And they noticed that there were lots of young people, teenagers, 16 to kind of 20-year-olds, 24-year-olds, who were struggling with employment, struggling to get into work. So they found this program called Spear, and Spear works by running intensive courses for a term, and it helps to kind of ramp people on into employment. It trains people, coaches people, young people into employment. And this group of, peop- this group of leaders, they, they set this thing up called Spear. At a similar time, Helen, who's my wife, uh, and I, we were given a bit of money which was very nice. And I thought, great, money, I'll spend it on coffee and trainers. And, but I had this kind of nag going on. It's like nagging feeling that maybe I shouldn't just spend it on myself. And so Helen and I, we prayed, and we felt as if God was saying that we should give it to this spear program. And to be honest with you, I just didn't really want to give the money away. I was thought, no, that can't be you, Lord. You don't talk like that. That's my money, I'm gonna keep it. Prayed again, felt like the Lord said, give it away to Spear. So reluctantly, I kind of wrote, I didn't write a cheque. No one writes cheques. I did a bank transfer on my phone and uh, sent the money to Spear and didn't really think anything of it. A couple, weeks, a couple of months later, one of my good friends, who's a trustee for the SPEAR program in Bethel Green, she came up to me and she said, thank you so much for your gift. Did you know what kind of an impact it had? No, not, not really, apart from the fact I didn't get to drink as much coffee as I wanted, and I didn't get those trainers I wanted. She said, look, because you gave us that money, it meant that we could run for the term. We, we were about to shut everything down. We had everything in place. We had young people signed up, but we just didn't have enough money. And the money that you gave us helped us roll into the first month, and then we could cover our face. We could wash our face for for the rest of it. Thank you so much. And eight years on today, that spear centre is still churning out young people back into employment. When we give our money other people are set free. And that might be from cycles of unemployment, but it could be for lots of other things as well. Through our act of giving, even begrudgingly, we're, we're helping others, setting them free. So how do we give? How do we know where the right place is to give? Well, it's all about investing in the right place, finding that right place. Luke 12, 32 to 33 says this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father, these are the words of Jesus, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions and give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys there's an eternal place to invest your kingdom, and it's in the poor, it's in the weak, it's in the marginalized, it's in God's church. And there's a place where it's not so great to invest your money. Uh, Helen and I, we moved to a new house uh, six months ago, just in the local area, just down the road here. And we'd noticed in the house, especially over summer, these moths that were flying around, and. And we were a little bit worried because we thought, oh, moths—they eat clothes—and we couldn't find the source of these moths. But we'd noticed in some of our clothes, you could probably see in some of my clothes that I'm wearing today, that in fact this one here, there, this—we pulled this out of a drawer, and it had been completely mullered. It was one of our little—it was our little boy's sleep suit that he used to wear when he was a little baby, and it had been completely eaten by moths, absolutely mullered there are good places to invest, and there are places that no matter what you do, are going to get eaten by moths, quite literally. This is a 2,000-year-old applicable parable for today. There's loads of places to invest in God's kingdom, though. And how we do that? Really is between you and God. How much you give is between you and God. No one here is going to tell you you have to give X amount. There's an Old Testament principle at work. Uh, in, in the scriptures that you can see called tithing, which has its roots in Genesis 14, 20, where Abraham gives a tenth of everything that he has. And that might be a good place to start. Abraham gives a tenth of everything that he has to God. That might be a good place to start. But the New Testament principle is slightly turned on its head. It's a bit different. And it starts from the point where everything that we have, everything that you and I have been given has been given to us by God. It's not actually ours in the first place. In the kingdom of God, there isn't necessarily a limit to how much you can give. Now, there might be a wise amount to give, but there isn't a limit to how much you can give. Everything that we've been given comes from God. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Everything that we have, everything that we've been given has been given to us by God. And the second thing that happens when we give is that other people are set free. And the third thing that happens when we give is that it's a countercultural witness to God. It's a countercultural witness to the world around us. Verse 35, Paul says this It's more blessed to give than to receive. The world looks at how Christians use their money and it says that's foolish. They're pouring it down the drain. The world says, build, 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 invest, invest, invest. Get a bigger pension, get a bigger house, get a bigger mortgage, get a bigger car. And there is some wisdom in having a savings account. And there is definitely some wisdom in having a pensions set up. But the way of Jesus Christ is different. And when we live by that value set, When we live by any value set, it's like a megaphone on our lives. And when we live by this value set, it's like a megaphone for our lives. And what it does is it points to something else. As Christians, as you invest in the poor, as you invest in other people, as you invest in your church, what we're doing is we're pointing to a greater gift that the person in Jesus Christ showed us, that God in Jesus Christ showed us. When we give, we point to Jesus, who, although he was fully God, had everything at his disposal, all the resources he could ever want. He hung on a cross, and he poured out his life for you and for me. Our giving points to that greater gift, the gift of salvation for the whole world. And while the world is creaking, looking like it might fall apart, as economic woes mount on this side, as political instability reigns over here, as the waters rise, as the sea levels rise, the call on those of us who call themselves Christians is to point to Jesus Christ, to point to his love. The church you and me here today, if you call yourself a Christian, you bear his name and you point to him and you can do that with your actions and you can do that with your money. And what we do here won't just impact us here today. Although that's important, ministry in this church is important. It'll have an impact not just here, not just in our little patch of London, not just in London, but it could be around the world. Our passage finishes with these words. When Paul had finished speaking, this is verse 36 and 37. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. They are the leaders of the church. They're the church in Ephesus and they knew that they were giving away their best. They were giving away Paul. But we know, because we can read it in the Bible, the story doesn't end there. That story of what Paul did, of what God did, of what that church did in that region through, through their generosity, through giving, impacted that whole region. And you know, if, if you're into this, you can follow the old Silk Roads. It wasn't just Asia Minor. If you follow the old Silk Road, it started... One of its end points was Ephesus. And it started in China. And you can follow the rise of early Christianity along that road. And there were early Christian communities in China in 300 AD because of the work that was done along that road from Ephesus all the way to China. It had an impact around the globe. And that's the same for us here today. A while ago, my wife Helen and I, we, uh, we lived in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And after that, we were about to move to a town uh, in the northeast of England called Gateshead, which you may not have heard of. Gateshead is a poor city in the northeast. It's very close to Newcastle. It's an amazing place, actually. Uh, but Gateshead was, is now, it's just overtaken London as the child poverty capital in Europe, if you, in, in the UK. So if you're a child, you're more likely to born into, be born into poverty in Gateshead than anywhere else in the UK. And we were moving from Kuala Lumpur to Gateshead, and we were going to help start a church in Gateshead. And we were really excited about this, but there was no money. We had a little bit of money, but the building was falling down. So we had to spend all the money on the building. And uh, So Helen and I, we thought, well, why don't we go and see if we can find a little bit of cash to help with what we're off to go and do in Gateshead. Uh, And uh, I met a Canadian couple when we were in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, We'll call them Ian and Barb, because that's their name. And uh, and Ian and Barb were really interested in what we were going to do. And I said, well, would you mind if I if I just asked you if you'd be willing to give a little bit of money, and Barb, she said, in that kind of North American way, pitch to me, Barb. And I said, okay. So um, she's like, come and meet me for a coffee and uh, pitch. I thought, oh, crumbs, okay. Uh, so I prepared a few things. I thought, okay, um, I should probably have three things that I'd love, her, love them to think about giving to. So first one, really simple thing. I, I, I could ask for... Uh, a little bit of money maybe to pay for coffee for our launch. You know, it won't be loads of money. 10, 20 quid or something like that. Maybe to pay for the coffee cups for when we start. Uh, second thing, uh, big ticket item. We really wanted a sound system. We've been quoted quite a lot of money for a sound system. So I thought I'll pitch that. And then the third thing, well, it kind of takes a little bit of explaining the third thing. We, we were the, part the church we were part of, had a giant bear costume. Not like a grizzly bear costume, like a teddy bear costume. And this teddy bear costume would, uh, it would be on stage and it would be doing the action songs uh, in, the, in the morning service and then it would go off and it was part of our kids' ministry. It was nothing but a gimmick, but it was so much fun. Everybody loved this giant bear. And, and we were thinking, oh, what might work in Gateshead? Uh, Gateshead gorilla? those gorilla costumes are utterly terrifying. So that'll just scare the children away. And, and eventually we landed on, well, what about Tim the Tyneside Tiger? Here he is, there's Tim the Tyneside Tiger. He's there, we'll keep him up, he's very important. Um, anyway, so, so that, was, that was what we landed on. And I kind of said to Barb, look, uh, I've got these three options, what do you think? And she said, well, let me go away and have a think about it and then I'll, I'll get back in touch, and I thought, oh, she's not going to do anything, she wrote back to us, and she said, I really want to buy that tiger for your church, and I thought, really wanted the sound system, <laughs> but I'll take the tiger, so we bought the tiger, there's the tiger, um, that's great, and uh, the tiger was there, and we noticed, as we were running, um, running this little church, as we were kind of helping, helping it to kind of kick off, that it's the kids' ministry was growing quite quickly. Lots of young families joining. And and part of the ministry was that it was really fun because we had things like a silly tiger that would just run around and do action songs, and it was great fun. The other thing that was happening was that the student ministry in our evening service was kind of exploding. It was quite big. And, And there were lots of students coming along, and they were really enjoying it. Lots of them were coming to faith. And they were dragging their friends along. And the students were helping out with the kids' ministry. And they loved the kids' ministry. In part because it was really fun. And because they got to dress as a big silly tiger. So the students were involved. They were growing. The kids' ministry was involved. It was growing. It was great, great fun. Money that was given by some Canadians in Malaysia was blessing people in the northeast of England. Who'd have thought? But it gets better than that. Because a couple of those students, they got really encouraged by everything that was going on. In fact, one got so encouraged, she thought, I love this church, I love what's going on. Maybe I want to give ministry a bit of a shot. Maybe I want to give this thing a bit of a shot. And now she works for this church. And you know what, another of those students who was part of that church, who loved everything that was going on, he was drumming tonight in this church. So that money that's given by some Canadians in Malaysia to a church in Gateshead for a tiger costume that has now definitely been eaten by moths and has worn out is blessing us here today. When you and I, when we give to the kingdom of God, you might have no idea what you're going to bless. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray as we work out all this stuff about money, that we'd point to him, that we'd point to his love. Jesus, fill our hearts now. Amen.